Hello. Thanks for coming. Let me just see your ticket. Ah, yes. You're here for Kat Chinetti, a.k.a. Kit Kat Kitteridge, a.k.a. the mother of rapids, a.k.a. the Tyler Durden of the DM. Or are you here for the Mark Robb, a.k.a. Sean Madlove, a.k.a. Gordon Darks, a.k.a. Thanos, the Titan of Typos? Either way, you're in for a ride. Oh, and who am I? Why, I'm the one who put these two crazy kids together. I'm Hanson Bain, a.k.a. the compelling protagonist of Isla Powell Claim, a.k.a. the problematic problem solver, a.k.a. Abel Magwitch of this podcast shit. Welcome to the show, and be sure to tip your waitress at K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-C-H-I-N-E-T-T-I on Venmo. Enjoy the show. Also, today we are listening in the background to uh, Stop Making Sense, the Talking Heads Jonathan Demi film soundtrack uh, from, I want to say, 1983, because <laughs> I watched it last night, 1984, um, and it is so good. It is better than any concert film really seems to have any right to be, and I'm saying that as someone who likes concert films a great deal. I shit. I don't remember the last concert thing I watched. It's been the most closest thing to like a concert thing would be um, Rick Rubin. He's this producer from the '80s. He had this like um, show on Showtime where he's basically like re. He's like like sort of going through his whole philosophy on music and life. Mm-hmm. And he's like working with like other artists and like other musicians to like get their shit out. Yeah, but it's not really anything like a concert thing. But it's did about. Ever, this. Did you ever see Sonic Highways? The no. Foo Fighters situation. Oh, that's really cool. It sounds kind of similar. Okay. Are you big in the Foo Fighters? I like them. <laughs> uh. I saw them live. I had a really good experience seeing them live. I don't know that I would seek it out again. Okay. Uh, I would also say that uh, I'm not, like, a super fan. Yeah. Like, I really like some of their songs. I think the album Wasting Light has some amazing stuff on it. Uh, you know, and pretty much whenever one of their songs comes up on Shuffle, I don't, like, skip it. But I'm not actively like, ooh, boy, New talking, like I haven't listened to anything on their new album at all. What about you? Um, I, I am, I'm not, but I'm not like a anti fan. Mm -hmm. It's like my my like voyage into rock music was, it's it's kind of odd. Like like growing up in like black neighborhoods, like getting put onto rock music, it's 
unless you have an OG to like really teach you about rock music, like you cannot be getting to it like on your own. Mm-hmm. So like the like the earliest rock that I actually got into was legit only because of TRL. So like so anything like TRL's heyday from like ninety seven until like two thousand basically like. Mm-hmm. Like any rock music that came through there, like I basically got kind of um, secondhand or whatever. So a lot of like uh, Lincoln Park and unfortunately a lot of like uh, Limp Biscuit. <laughs> but like I mean, <laughs> but there's like there, I mean they were good artists. Like I got into No Doubt because of them. I got into like the early Blink One Eighty Two because of them. Mm-hmm. And, and Lincoln Park should actually. Their first like two albums were like really really good, in my opinion. But um, mm-hmm. but like any like classic rock shit, like I had to like I had to go back and even still, like, there's like a lot of like rock music guys. I only know sort of in passing. Yeah. So like my music shit is mostly like rap and like um, go go music from DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm huge huge classic rock trash. <laughs> what do you mean classic rock trash like uh i listen to a lot of uh queen i listen to a lot of paul simon is more new wave adult alternative but i would say it's got a foot in there uh hang on let's let's go to, through my my spotify real quick while i'm here it's like do you want to listen to more we should do this again sometime and i'm like spotify i'm busy um, I can't do that right now because I'm doing that right now. Uh, Pink Floyd, lots of Pink Floyd. Uh, the Cars, I'm obsessed with the Cars. Uh, I want like a Queen tattoo though. It's it's awful. Uh, oh shit. David Bowie, lots of David Bowie. Uh, I mean, you're not naming bad musicians though. so i wouldn't no. say it's trash so far i mean i think it's just trash because it's mostly what i listen to uh that wow. said i've been having a a moment with lady gaga's new single i'm kind of obsessed with it um because it's like all all the kind of 80s synth poppy stuff that i love in like a good like lo-fi chill out dance track situation but with like the Lady Gaga power vocals, which like yee. <laughs> yee. Were you ever into like um did you ever get into like chill wave or anything like that? Um not really. Uh I will occasionally put it on while I'm doing stuff. Uh but I tend to find like if if that's what I want, I would rather listen to like a Sufjan Stevens album than like chill wave because like i feel like they're like siblings but they're not related like super closely if that makes sense like they don't hang out (laughs) okay (laughs) um yeah i I listen to a lot that said i uh i've played i'm coming out a lot recently (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the um, 
oh my god, not Aretha Franklin. Diana Ross. Diana Ross, yeah. Yes. All right, have you been coming out lately? I mean, so what I've discovered is that Donald Trump plays that song when he walks out at rallies. Oh, yeah, you tell me that, yeah. Because he doesn't know, I guess he doesn't understand gay culture at all. Or maybe he does, and he's trying to tell us something. But uh, <laughs> regardless, just like that, knowing that's what's happening in the world right now. Yeah. Also, speaking of weird music things, uh, I have discovered that COVID-19 scans lyrically with Come On Eileen. And once you realize COVID-19, you can never read it the same again. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people, they may be doing the uh, the freestyle when they're drunk and doing questionable things. So Yeah, COVID-19. Uh, like, I was, like, realized this on, like, Friday night and was like, oh, no. <laughs> I think oh, I wanna, no. I didn't want to see the call on it just the corona. I think I'm going to keep it pretty uh, pretty straightforward. I mean, yeah, but I mean, I guess you could go for like a my my Sharona, my Corona type situation. <laughs> uh, yeah. We just found out like a whole whole ass hotel that people were staying at for an event and also for uh, like some people were staying there at PAX and whatever like, is just a, a ton of coronavirus was found there. In Boston? Yeah. Jeez. So, you know, that's fun. I'm finding that I'm actually getting paranoid. So I was at this, um, I was at this restaurant for lunch today or whatever, and um, I... On my desk, I, like, ran out of ketchup or whatever. So the immediate idea is, like, you know, you go to another um, another station, you, another table, you steal their shit, and you keep it moving, right? Mm-hmm. And so it immediately hit me. It was like, I don't know where these people's hands have been who touched this ketchup bottle. <laughs> and I feel so, that. And so I'm like, um, it officially hit me like i'm i am now paranoid of the corona so thank you big brother or big government or whatever have you read the statement that ace comic-con northeast released because they released the funniest thing no i am not let me see if i can find it yeah okay wait here we go uh hello ace fans ace universe is blah 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 closely monitoring everything everything uh, da, 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 da. During photo ops and autographs, handshakes, hugs, requests to hold props during photo ops, and physical contact will not be permitted. No gifts, letters, or cards will be accepted by celebrity guests. So we ask that you do not bring those items. I was like, do you think someone's gonna sneeze in an envelope? Like, what? Um, so grocery stores around America are running out of soap and sanitizer. So <laughs> I think America is just telling on itself that it never bathed properly before. So I'm, I'm pretty sure people are sneezing on all types of things that we don't even really want to know about. Um, yeah. Cause like, there's like pro league, like pro sports leagues that they're banning reporters from going into like locker rooms mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'm pretty like and there's even talks like them playing in empty gyms 
Mm-hmm. So it's like adding everyone, the audience in post. Basically, like everyone's in full blown uh, panic mode at this point. Like everyone's getting really paranoid. So it's uh, it's getting a little strange. It's getting a little weird. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm also kind of like, does that mean everybody wasn't using soap before? They weren't. I'm telling you. Like it was O's. It was. You know, so there's this one day show. It's not the, um, it's not the uh, view, but it's like the knockoff view. It's like, it's like four women talking shit, but less popular. Um, and so one of the women, they were like, "Well, yeah, I, I never wash my hands when I'm at home." And so people were like, "There was a doctor, like guest, and they're like, no, you need to wash your hands every time you use the bathroom." And this woman was like, well, no, because my hand is my hand is in between the toilet paper and my toilet paper just touches me. And she's like, and the doctor's like shaking her head in embarrassment. Everyone's like yelling at this woman like, you're a fucking creep. And she's like, no, like I'm I'm clean, like no one in my house, like I'm never sick. Like everyone in my house is sick except for me. And it's like, I guess you're poop particles have made you immune to death but is that your x-men power yeah like it's 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 so gross like Your x-men shits yeah man like it's it's a no-go man so it's 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 wild in these streets man so no america's I, I not washing their hands try to stay away from uh si- like sanitizer and stuff usually because i don't think it's great i don't like i obviously understand that it is important in an instance like this uh but generally speaking i try not to use it uh why not uh first of all i i find it very drying and also like usually the 0.01 percent of the thing that's left is the thing that actually wants to kill you (laughs) i mean so uh, well, I don't really use it very often. Like, well, okay, so I, I also was obsessed with it when I was like, you know, like into scented hand sanitizer and eleven. <laughs> I and I got speak- sick more then than speaking, any other time in my life. Speaking of people not washing their hands, I knew a guy who we were in public, we we're at work. And he he dropped a deuce at work. He didn't wash his hands. He just puts he rubbed his hand in sanitizer and just walked out. Uh, and so that's when and this was like years ago. So I know America's not washing their hands. So it's it's getting pretty brown out here, man. That's a cool. moment. Yes. Should we pivot from poo particles to romantic comedies? <laughs> I guess we should. All right. So so the the Peter Pan spectaculasm is going to be coming next week, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you that were really looking forward to that, uh, sorry, it is coming. I promise. Uh we just did not get to it today. Uh, 
I hope that it actually opens in San Antonio when it's supposed to, because I realized it was supposed to be opening as part of South by Southwest. Oh, it's going to, um, according to um, some app, it's going to open on the 12th. So okay. Fandango says it's going to be on the 12th. So that's, that's the reason why we couldn't record today. But um, well, we're going to keep on trucking. Um, so instead of the, so our plan was initially to cover, I guess, what we're dubbing the Peter Pan trilogy, where we're going to cover mm. the OG Peter Pan, then 1993's Hook, 1994's Hook, yep. and then these, uh, this year. Uh, but we're going to pivot to uh, a trending, not necessarily a trending topic that I saw, but something interesting I saw on Twitter. Um, a couple of days ago, someone posed the question, you know, what's your favorite top five um, romantic slash rom-com movies? Mm-hmm. And naturally, I melted down. So, like, <laughs> the original mm-hmm. tweet that I, I had, like, like I completely pivoted, like, 15 times after that. So, mm-hmm. I, like, had to make a letterbox list. Um, so, my letterbox list, it's, like, 50. It was it was at, like, 94. Four movies, and then I whittled it to fifty. So, <laughs> so I wanted to get together with Cat to, you know, chop it up on our favorite romantic slash rom com movies, our top five, and uh, talk a little bit about that genre. Um, because when I grew up, like that, primarily like was my favorite drama uh, genre of movies. Like I've always been in those type of movies. Uh, I, I still am, actually. I think I don't think a movie this year is probably going to top. Uh, Portrait of Lady on Fire for me. If it does, it's going to be a spectacular movie. Mm-hmm. But um, but before we do get into specifically the top five that we have for each other, do you have? Um, well, what are your thoughts on just like romantic and rom com movies? And do you want to give a couple of your honorable mentions before we start our official list? Yeah. So I I'm a big uh, rom com person. Uh, I also think I may have a little bit of a broad definition of rom com. Because, uh, like, I have a lot of, of different ones on here. Uh, and some of them are probably not rom-coms in the most traditional sense. Uh, I am a sucker for good romance. I always have been. Uh, and I I feel that I ha- have grown up expecting to be the woman in a Nancy Myers movie. Like, I am expecting to be rounded into 50 and just now figuring out how love works and (laughs) I guess dating Alec Baldwin or Jude Law or Jack Black or Jack Nicholson or you know I think there's a Mel Gibson one too um maybe Tom Hanks uh you know (laughs) (laughs) well woman one I think was the Mel Gibson one yeah that's the one I haven't seen uh actually that's for the time, it actually was a pretty decent movie, but you know he he hates Jewish people, so we don't you know talk about Mel Gibson anymore. <laughs> I feel like it's really weird because Disney Plus keeps pushing Pocahontas, and I'm like, you you know who's in that, right? I mean, dang, I mean, <laughs> they don't have a choice, man. They they're given the um they're given the warnings on these movies, so. I mean, I yeah, they don't, they, do they have one for Pocahontas? Hang on. Oh, I don't they think to. they do. They have to. There's no way that they don't. 
Because they, they like, claim they did a ton of research and kind of doubled down on that when people started being like, hey. And, like, I understand that Disney knows all my analytics and whatever, so they, they I'm sure they know I'm not Jewish, even though I never told them that. Uh, and so they, you know, they probably are like, oh, it's okay to push this Mel Gibson movie to this this non-Jew. I mean, Hollywood's trying to let Mel Gibson back in the paint anyway, so he, he did, like, one of those awful Will Ferrell movies, like, last year or two years ago, some shit like that, so, mm-hmm. like, po- like they're waiting to get this white man back in Hollywood. Um, Poca- oh, it doesn't! Hold on. Yeah, it doesn't. I just went to the full, wow. the full-length one. It does not. Just remember, if you like someone so much, eventually you will just speak the same language because magic. Man, that's tough sell, boy. But our our Disney overlords don't care about us, so. <laughs> no, uh, I also am completely convinced that Bob Chapek is entirely the CEO right now to take the fall for the big financial hit that's about to happen for them having to close everything and change everything. For coronavirus, and then Bob Iger is just gonna waltz right back on in. Is that Bob Iger's thing song I'm hearing? Yeah. Bob Iger! <laughs> He's gonna hit somebody over the head with a steel chair. It's gonna be amazing. I mean, to uh, to quote the, uh, the flagship line, let's get ready to Dumbo! Oh. My. God. They well, used that line twice in the Dumbo remake. Disney... Disney ruined... Twice. Oh, my God. Disney ruined ESPN, man. Like, they had great analysts who were appropriately tying sports into society and culture. But then they said, well, people don't give a shit about, you know, being smart. They just want to see people run with leather balls. So they chose balls over intelligence. So, I mean, I I know some people who have made similar choices. Hey, hey now. Uh, yeah, no, but I know they're trying to get uh the guy they shunted off in 2014 back. Oh, um, <laughs> I mean, we don't remember his name, so good luck with that one. They sold him for Oswald the Lucky Bunny. Hang on. Yeah, these movies on Disney Plus look scared as hell. Hounded. Uh, okay, so Oswald the Lucky Rabbit was trade. Universal owned them because someone stole them, and then they traded Al Michaels of ESPN to get Oswald the Rabbit back. <laughs> hey. And now they're trying to get Al Michaels back. <laughs> Al Michaels isn't even that good of a commentator. <laughs> He's like very generic at best. Man. Actually, he all these all these people are. But... Was good enough for a bunny. They don't even have a warning for the Lone Ranger, so. Are our Native American brothers and sisters just blind spots for the Disney conglomerate? 
Uh, I mean, I think they might think that it's fine because they made it recently. Like, these, they can't use the these are outdated cultural depictions for a thing they made in, what, 2013? I mean, if it's the truth, it's the truth. <laughs> right, I know that. But, like, they, it's, it's all about the optics and the labeling system. Like, right now, they can't admit that they made something questionably, racially, whatever in in the last year, you know, or 10 years. They can't say that. They won't, even if they should. Uh, oh, they, they have Jake Gyllenhaal playing a Persian. <laughs> oh, yeah, I knew that. Bro, oh, my God. That's some bronzer there, buddy. Oh, my God. Good. And they try to have the movie, like, the hue of the movie brown to make him look browner. But, boy, that shit is not working, boy. Oh, my God. I mean, for God's sakes, they have outdated cultural depictions listed for the Three Caballeros movies. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, at least they acknowledge... Okay. <laughs> at least they acknowledge Mexicans and South Americans... As a problem. They have Who Framed Roger Rabbit is still a PG movie. Yeah. Aren't they, ta- aren't they talking about fucking in that movie? No, they're playing Patty Cake. Mm. I bet they were. Uh, have you seen the like long ass post about how uh Jessica Rabbit should is like an ace icon? <laughs> no, I have not seen that. Oh, it's so good. Okay, wait. Do they have uh may contain outdated cultural depictions for Pinocchio? Asking for me. Uh, I don't know. Isn't Pinocchio like Italian? Yeah. That's, oh. I, that's not how Italians are, but okay. I mean, <laughs> yo, it'd be super wild if they have it for Pinocchio. They and- do not. Okay, I was about to say. They better have. I think they have it for Peter Pan because uh, what no. makes the red man red? It may contain outdated cultural depictions. So I guess there's. Yeah. They, they're talking about the native stuff there. That's the only one because it's like in your. It's on your forehead, so yeah. you don't have a, have a chance to dodge it. But we got completely sidetracked. Us sidetracked. Yes, definitely. So to bring it back in, let's talk, talk a little bit about because uh, you were talking about you were you have like a kind of not necessarily weird, but um, you have your own sort of idea of what a romantic comedy is. So talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about that and talk about some of your honorable mentions. That's all. Yeah. So uh, my honorable mention list. So, I, I consider Legally Blonde a romantic comedy. Or at least, like, it's got enough of, like, a romantic comedy bend to it that I count it. I've seen people do that, so I don't think you're necessarily on the wrong foot. Uh, I also give uh, Hairspray an honorable mention. Uh, the musical, which I think focuses more on the romance aspect, and I think is great and very fun. Uh, Notting Hill... Because I find that movie incorrigible, but I every time it's on, I put down what I'm doing and watch it anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
it's complicated, which is a Nancy Myers moment. Uh, chocolate, chocolate, uh, which came out in 2003 or 2000. Uh, it's a woman who moves to a town in France and uh, during Lent and opens a chocolate shop and is, is you know, kind of very ho, 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 most unorthodox. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> uh, and Johnny Depp plays a gypsy. Oh. <laughs> I know we're not supposed to call it that. But that's what the movie calls it. Oh, my. Uh, and also, I would give an honorable nod to, uh, like, Mamma Mia, uh, Eloise at the Plaza, which was a made-for-TV movie that came out in 2003 based on... Uh, the book series. Okay. Uh, and it's about a little girl who lives in the Plaza Hotel in New York, and she sees that her tutor that she can't stand has a crush on a girl, and so she decides to make that magic happen. And there's a debutante ball, and it's very cute. Julie Andrews is in it. Um. And also, my like gold standard for like trashy romance is uh, this means war. With Tom Hardy, Chris Pine, and I think Reese Witherspoon? Um, is that Reese? It's either Reese or really pretending to be Reese. <laughs> like, it's diet Reese if it's not Reese. It is Reese. Yeah. Uh, because that movie is just trashy and fun, and it's such a good sleepover movie. Uh, and Chris Pine is great, and I love him a lot. Um, so Chris Pine, so in the Chris Wars in 2020, Chris Pine is the benchmark if you want to be in the actual wars conversation. So yeah. if, um, regardless of you know the looks or the actual material that you're creating, this Pine has both, uh, Hemsworth has both, um, Captain America has both. MAGA does not. <laughs> so I'm really about getting MAGA out the paint. <laughs> oh, man. I do not like that, Chris, at all. <laughs> I just don't. Yeah. Uh, also, my top five is actually a top seven because I didn't have the heart to bump any of them off. Oh, okay. But they're all, it's like a seven way tie because they're all really good. Hold on. You have to. This is 2020. You have to pick the best. I don't do rankings. <laughs> America, you don't do rankings. Oh. I don't find them helpful. I don't like grades for movies either, but like I acknowledge that that is the standard. Hold on. So, how, so are you on the mindset of if I like a movie, that's really all that matters and that's it? Yeah. So, but you don't have like any, you don't want to make like any designation between. Like, one of the greatest movies ever and a movie that you watch once and you like and you never think about again. I mean, I think that that is able to be done without giving it a star grade or a letter grade. Is it? Well, I I asked that question only because I'm, like, partially, like, uh, (laughs) I'm I'm partially, like, I have to put everything into, like, categories. Mainly because... I need to remember shit, so. I don't think that, like, for me, I 
am much more likely to put together a list of movies I would watch over and over again than I would rating a movie because that also comes into objectively as someone who criticizes film a movie might not be good but like if I like it and watch it a lot how do you rate that on a star system isn't that something that you could better serve writing it out uh or you know putting a a post together or a list that isn't necessarily a rating or a ranking yeah so like i mean well if you're good at doing things like that then yes so you can have like a metric to where if you put something as a five star like you only mean that that is like your absolute favorite of favorites but something that's like a two and a half you may like it but like you're not gonna put that up with like things that have moved your soul like we keep this is the third pod we referenced oh i referenced hollow man (laughs) (laughs) i can't (laughs) i I wish i could quit you hollow man oh we have to work it into every episode now (laughs) but no i gave hollow man like a two and a half you understand he's been in the room every podcast i've recorded right i didn't want to scare you like i know it's fine As long as you don't make any sudden movements, he'll be okay. (laughs) But Hollow Man, I gave Hollow Man like a two and a half, and I gave Portrait of a Lady on Fire like five stars. Mm -hmm. So like, obviously, to like that's gonna tell you like what I fuck with and what I don't. But I I gave the heart to Hollow Man also, so you know that I I can appreciate really tasteful art shit. And I can appreciate real trash shit at the same time. So. Right. And, like, I, I get that. But also, by that same token, like, that's also so individual. It is. I yeah. would rather read, like, a two-sentence sum-up. I also am aware that I'm weird in that regard. I would rather read a, like, I liked this. It was good. Go see it. You know. Or this thing bothered me so much that it ruined the rest of my experience. Would not recommend like, yeah. that to me is more interesting. And that's probably, for those of you that follow me on Letterboxd, you're like, what the hell, you never do a review. But that's because my review is always <laughs> on my site. I was going to say, yeah, you, I, I think Letterboxd is, it may not be for you. <laughs> and that's not a bad thing, honestly. Like, because I have, I've been on Letterboxd for, like, maybe, like, two months. I have, mm-hmm. eight, I have eight lists on Letterboxd. I have a list that's a hundred movies long and I whittle that down from like 120 movies and this like top 50 list I made for myself. Like I whittle that down from like in the mid nineties. So mm-hmm. that's just the kind of digital hoarder I am. I know that for sure. So, so um, yeah. And if you, if you follow Katzi's movies, you will see most of the time I do not actually give the movies a rating. I give a one to two sentence sum up of my thoughts on things, usually comedically. And usually if you just read the TLDR, you can tell if the movie would be for you or not. Um, and speaking of speaking of writing eloquently about movies, uh, you recently did write and post your piece on Wendy, mm-hmm. um, which I read last night and it was a very thoughtful and very good piece of writing. 
Thank you. Uh, please, uh, you're very welcome. Thank you for writing it. <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, listeners out there, please check out Cat's writing on Nerd Caliber. Um, like I said, focus on the words for Cat. Focus on the words. Don't necessarily, you know, you know, give much credence to the actual number rating. But what she wrote about the movie is pretty ins- insightful and pretty good. And I'm I'm excited to see the movie. Um, I'm I'm ha- I'm tampering expectations, but I do think I'm going to enjoy the movie regardless. So so check I, out Nerd Caliber. I said to my friend uh, Ken Ken Murray, who's a film reviewer. Uh, and, and a very good one. If you buy into it in the first 15 minutes, you're going to have a great time. If you can't buy into it, then it's really hard to get into it, I think. Okay. It pretty much gives you one entry point, and if you miss it, then, like, it's not going to work out, which is unfortunate. Um, I, mean, I mean, well, most most movies, I mean, a lot of, you know, unless it's like a, a purposeful slow burn, you know, most movies are going to want to grab you that early anyway. So, and I feel like this movie really wouldn't be a slow burn in that sort of way. So, I don't know. I guess you got to buy in early or not. Um, all right. So, I know you said you have a top seven. So, mm-hmm. because I, I have more than enough movies to list, I will, I will also give my top seven. Um, cool. But, but I'll go over just a, a handful of um, honorable mentions on my yeah. list. Um, so at number 50, I have Titanic, which changed America and changed Leo's career uh, for the better. Um, I have also uh, 40-year-old version because I am <laughs> I'm a knucklehead, but that movie is, is really, really dope. Um, Chasing Amy, I have that also. I feel like Chasing Amy kind of has this bad rap of being... I remember reading a little bit about Chasing Amy and the reviews for it and how it wasn't, like, open sexually, but I kind of think it's actually good as far as talking about how people do have animosity uh, toward people who are bisexual. Mm -hmm. Um, And also sort of, like, the pitfalls, not necessarily people being, like, uh, having phobia against people that are bisexual, but also, you know, what that really means for, like, Federal guys really trying to balance and think about, you know, women's sexuality and how confusing that actually is for like a lot of men. Um, maybe it's I don't I don't I personally don't think it's ham-handed. Uh, other people may think Kevin Smith does ham-handed things. Um, I actually think Chasing Amy kind of aged really really well uh, for that respect. Yeah. Um, so I, I, had... I generally speaking, am not a huge Kevin Smith fan. Uh. I, I like his ideas a lot more than I like his expectation or his like end product usually. Yeah. Uh, that's not a dig on him or his film style at all. I just don't think his film style and I hang out. You know, we always say hi to each other at parties, but like we don't really like hang out. <laughs> it's in passing. Like I see what you're doing, but then you keep it moving anyway. Yeah. No, and it's like a. It's. I respect it. I think it's great. Obviously, he has made more movies than I have, and I probably ever will. Uh, <laughs> and that's. I'm glad he makes movies. Yeah. Uh. That said, like, I'm not watching Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I'm not. <laughs> I'm over it. 
stop asking Bro. me to watch Garden State Twitter. I'm not going to like. I I watch like the um I watch like Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back when it came out in like '99 or some shit like that. Like mm-hmm. that that shit was not for me. But the only Kevin Smith shit I really fuck with is Chasing Amy, Clerks One, and Clerks Two. Uh, mm-hmm. Mall Rats. I fuck with Mall Rats heavy, but mm-hmm. that's it. Like I I can't get into anything else from Kevin Smith. Um, so that was Chase Amy was my number 34. My number 21 was 99's uh, Romeo plus Juliet. Um, that movie is so over the top, but it's so fucking it's gnarly. It's so Boz Lerman. <laughs> like, and I say that as the highest of compliments, by the way. Oh uh, using No Church in the Wild in The Great Gatsby is still one of my favorite <laughs> weird, bad cinematic choices. Like, every time I, I hear that song, I think about the cars driving next to each other, and it's just like, dan and dan and dan And it's like, why? That shit was I so shouldn't great, like right? this that much. <laughs> Oh no! This, you should love it that much. <laughs> this should not be good for me. Oh my god! I remember vividly. We can't like, listen to that song anymore, can we? Uh, well, we can we can watch the movie. That's it. But but okay. I remember I remember vividly as soon as I watched it in like the theater. As soon as the movie ended, it was like this. It was like a a couple, uh, this older like white couple, and they're like. The movie was okay, but the music was kind of off. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I also remember you could buy Daisy's headband from Tiffany's for like $34,000 of your firstborn child. And I was like, I, yeah, I mean, check out ContraPoints' video on opulence if you want some more uh, insight. Okay, maybe I'm streaming no church in the wild off of a janky streaming service so no one gets my money right now <laughs> if you bootleg it you're totally fine yeah i'm I will bootlegging. <laughs> uh, so romeo and juliet <laughs> you guys can't see her dancing um so romeo and juliet was my 21 yeah uh, i that I'm, fish tank moment is such a good with at the party yeah oh hell yeah so good the fucking um, the the this music kissing you. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, it's, it's an aesthetic it's dream. Insane. It really is. It totally is. And that I I love that as a real capsule of what like '99 was like. A lot of colors, a lot of fast moving, like people doing cocaine but not really admitting to the cocaine use anymore. <laughs> like it was it was a wild fucking time, man. Um. Uh, a movie that I have on the background right now, um, uh, at my 23, um, this movie called, it's from 99 also, it's called But I'm a Cheerleader. It's about this girl who, um, she, she's described as an all-American girl. She's a cheerleader in high school, but she's dating the star quarterback, but she doesn't like him at all. So everyone around her thinks she's gay and she goes to a, um, conversion camp. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like really, you know, sad, but the movie's funny. It's um, it has a real sense of humor about itself. And it's like actually a, a pretty decent, pretty cool movie. It's um I guess I would describe it as a cult classic, but mm-hmm. it wasn't like a big theatrical release or anything. But I've always liked Brahma Chili. That shit's like super funny. 
Have you ever seen him before? Have you heard of him? No. I have a, a one of my blind spots is honestly like nineties teen movies. Ooh, I can put you on to some shit, girl. Like I recently discovered like Ten Things I Hate About You is on a streaming service. I don't remember which one. And I was like, Oh, I should probably finally watch that. Oh my it's like a classic. It's I'm over classic. here being a Joseph Gordon Levitt stan my entire <laughs> life, and I've never seen that, which I know it's... apparently he's in. Apparently, uh, he he's he's like one of the main characters. It's on Disney Plus, which is really surprising because that that's definitely a teenage movie. But it's I not. I think they're trying to keep it like anything below an R gets yeah. to live on Disney Plus. Anything I would say questionable PG thirteen, like a high PG thirteen to an R, is Hulu. Yeah, so it's on Disney Plus, and to tip my hand a little bit, like that did make my top. Uh, it made my top seven. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Um, another movie that I, I guess one more honorable mention I can point out. Um, oh, I do need to point this out. So my number ten movie that I have, I have The Devil Wears Prada. And while that's not necessarily, like, a romantic comedy, mm-hmm. if you boil that movie down, it's a it's a really a movie about a woman falling in love with herself and no one knows what the fuck to do with her. So, <laughs> so yeah. like, like, she learns to, like, love herself. She learns to have confidence in herself. She, lo- she learns to, you know, trust her instincts and how to do her fucking job. And the world mm-hmm. is like, whoa, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And, so I, I cheated and I put that in my in my. That's job. fine. That's fine. You're yeah. fine. All right. So do you want to k- kick off? Uh, well, before we kick off our list, do you have anything else you want to mention for your honorable list, or do you want to go straight to number seven? Uh, so I guess like I will say that I opted to only put one Nancy Myers movie in my top seven uh, because I'm obsessed with her and it's a problem. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, I'd really like to give a shout out to The Holiday because it is one of those movies that whatever's happening, whatever's on, mom and I will sit down and watch it to the end. (laughs) Okay. Uh, It's Complicated is another one of those. Uh, Notting Hill is another one of those. And we have other ones, but they're on the list, so I'll get to those. Uh, But uh, I I just want to give it a shout out because I think it is a lesser... Nancy Myers uh Pantheon movie, but I still think it is a very good one. Okay. All right, so what's your number seven? My number seven is Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, everybody okay? Because I just need 30 seconds with this woman. Thank you. Coming through. Sorry. I know this is a far throw from a hidden paradise. But wherever you are in the world where I belong. But I... Ooh, solid pick. Uh, so I'll be honest, I uh, saw it on a plane. So I don't know if anything got cut for content. I think there was one sex scene that was pretty um... shortened. Because it pretty much was them uh... kissing... Like, they, like, kiss once and then wake up the next morning. Oh, yeah, they don't fuck in the movie. 
There's, um, I'm sorry to be that brass. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, first of all, it was just a lot of really good Asian representation, um, which I stand. Also, it was just so pretty. Like, the Very whole cute. movie was gorgeous. The soundtrack choices, I thought, were really strong. Uh, I know that the last song, uh, the I Can't Help Falling in Love With You, which I hate that song, but that's a whole separate conversation. Uh, doing it in, I don't remember if it was Chinese or Cantonese, so I apologize, uh, and English, like, switching back and forth, I thought was such a powerful choice. Um and I also watched that movie at a time when I was feeling very jaded on romance. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that it immediately, like, I was super duper invested was, uh, I think, like, it, it was a very good sign that it, it really knew what it was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I do, I do really like Crazy Rich Asians, um, I saw when it came out uh, on my letterbox, I gave it a four star. Um, other than Aquafina kind of doing, you know, I'm a, um, you know, Asian, but I want to do a, a black scent in, in a movie. <laughs> other than that, like. Yeah, that uh, was a little much. Yeah, it was. Um, she's a lot of much. <laughs> it but, also seemed to understand how to use its Ken Jong correctly. Yeah. Like, it, I did not get too much of him, which was nice. Yeah. Because uh, he is very, he's a, I would say, a strong spice, and he's very easy to over overpower the soup. Yeah, so, like, actors, if they're going to ham it up, like, you have to be very, um, you have to be very specific in when you use them, so you're not, like, really overdoing it. And um, they did have him, like, if, like, the shit that he was in, like, it was, like, always funny, like the the American jokes, like they got off, like were really fucking funny. Um, mm-hmm. But they did a really good idea, like not um, not overplaying their hand for it. So yeah. yeah, that was one of the that was definitely one of the the better movies of uh, twenty eighteen. Um, so yeah, that that movie was pretty fire. Um, for my number seven, I have Coming to America. It's from 1988, stars Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall. Um, it's a it's a big big classic for Black folks. <laughs> like it's actually like most Black folks like we a lot of Black folks consider it basically like one of the funniest movies like ever. Mm-hmm. Um, like every Halloween, people want to be from Zamunda. So I, Zamunda is like the original Wakanda. So, so like people like, uh, black folks are really invested in, um, Akeem and, you know, just the idea of what Zamunda is mm-hmm. and then seeing Wakanda like, like decades later and seeing it like in real life. But, um, that movie was like super funny, but I think people kind of, well, maybe people don't take it for granted, but that movie actually has, a pretty big heart like like um eddie murphy he's not like an asshole like he's very like he's very he's a big heart and so 
he's just a person that you can tell like he's he's legitimately looking for love um he's trying to find it in like in the most honest best way possible and he's not like a dirty mac like He's not, like, sneaking off to try to... Well, he is trying to steal a girl, but it's not in a dirty Mackin sense of, like, oh, your man, he late again. I wouldn't treat you like that. Like, he wasn't doing shit like that, really, but Mm -hmm. uh, he was definitely... um, He was keeping his name in the ring, so to speak. So, uh, Coming to America is a definite favorite of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, So, for my number six... Yeah. I, I have... 2004 sideways. Why are you so into Pino? <laughs> I mean, it's like a thing with you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's a hard grape to grow, as you know, right? It's, uh, it's thin skin, temperamental, ripens early. It's, you know, it's not a survivor like Cabernet which can just grow anywhere and uh, thrive even when it's neglected. Nah, Pinot needs constant care and attention. You know, and in fact, it can only grow in these really specific little tucked away corners of the world. And, and only the most patient and nurturing of growers can do it, really. Only somebody really takes the time to understand Pino's potential can then coax it into its fullest expression. And then, I mean, oh, its flavors, they're just the most haunting and brilliant and thrilling and subtle and ancient on the planet. This is a movie that, and I am not exaggerating, has been in my parents' DVD collection since it came out. And I was told that I couldn't watch it when it first came out because I was a child. Uh, And I also then just, like, it got to the point where I was like, I don't have to watch this stupid movie. It'll be fine. And I just never watched it. Oh, so oh, you oh, you never oh, watch it ever? Dumb spite, yeah. Ah, uh, well, it's a definite sad boys hashtag uh, trademark movie. Like, I don't think. Well, I think women can definitely appreciate this movie, but as the official sad boy of San Antonio, Texas, like this is the sad boys fucking movie. Like, um, I I do think you should watch it. Um. Because I do think there are some humanistic parts beyond just being a sad boy that, like, I do think women can relate to. Um, there's parts of, like, kind of unrequited love, kind of a love that has kind of passed you by and sort of dealing with that, um, you know, trying to find, like, who you are in isolation, um, trying to make your way with a new person like even when you're even when you're super uncomfortable with yourself like Mm -hmm. and it's funny too so like i i've like i watched that movie like in uh i think i got it on five dollar bin like in 2005 or some shit like that like i've always loved sideways like sideways is is one of my actually probably one of my favorite movies ever 
Um, shout out to Paul Giamani. Um, he Paul Giamani is always doing like dope shit. Like he's always just yeah. in good shit. Um, but no, I think it's a really it's a movie. It does have a lot of heart to it. It has like a lot of like um, exercising depression. Actually, shit, I wouldn't say exercising. I would say like wallowing in depression, which is is not necessarily healthy. But at the same time, it's kind of like you know. I think there is healthiness in accepting depression, mm-hmm. um, but I do I do think it's a really really good ass movie. So uh, I would say if you I don't know if it's streaming anywhere now, but I would say check that out. Um, I think we still have the DVD somewhere. Oh yes, because <laughs> like there's there's definitely a part where you, you as a kid you cannot watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> bro like oh my god I, and I remember that scene very vividly vividly like oh my god sideways is so fucking funny man um but yeah I with my letterbox I gave that bitch a five stars so I'm all in for sideways um what do you have for your number six my number six is uh the book of life uh, the animated film from 2014, directed by uh, Ore Gutierrez uh, and produced by uh, Del Toro. Follow me. You need to see something special. All the world is made of stories, and all of those stories are right here in the Book of Life. But the greatest story begins on the Day of the Dead. A day when spirits pass between worlds and anything can happen. Ah, look there. Two best friends. Oh, in love with the same girl. Okay. We'll talk a little bit about Um, that movie. Like, what's it about? So it is a story, really, of two friends, or three friends, and uh, one of them, the, the girl, is sent away because there's a bunch of drama happening. Boys, um, and uh, as a side effect of all of this, uh, she comes back home, and the two guys are fighting for her affection. Uh, and the one that she is starting to fall in love with, Manolo, who's voiced by Diego Luna, and Diego Luna's singing voice is just so sweet and earnest and good. Uh, is is killed uh and the two gods of the the lands of the dead so the land of the forgotten and the land of the remembered are having a bet just for which boy will win right and it's about them realizing maybe they didn't play fairly and uh what how to come back or if you can come back or what what is happening you know, kind of romantically. Uh, it's such a good cast. The voice cast is excellent. Um, hang on. I'm uh, I'm getting it up. Uh, so uh, Diego Luna is the voice of Manolo. And like, I have fallen asleep listening to him sing in this movie. Uh, Joaquin, who's the other boy, is voiced by Channing Tatum. <laughs> uh, Zoe Zaldana is the voice of Maria, uh, the 
girl. Uh, Zabalba, who is the land of the forgotten, is Ron Perlman. Uh, and La Muerte is uh, Kate Del Castillo, and it is so good. Also, Ice Cube is in it. Wow, that's fucking random. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, he is the voice of the Candlemaker. It's a very weird movie. And it also came out before Coco, and a lot of people kind of gave Coco shit for maybe ripping it off. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't think that's the case, and I'm just excited that more Mexican stories made by Mexican people are getting attention, and I think there's room for that. Although uh, Pixar's Coco, not made by Mexican, but made with a lot of respect for the culture. Hold on, what? Really? Yeah, Lee Unkrich is a white boy. Did he direct it or produce it? He directed. Incredible. Um, but it's it's a it's a really sweet movie. It's fun checking out. Fun to check out. I saw it twice in theaters. Uh, and I own it on DVD. I watch it whenever I'm sad. Uh, I also have uh several of the Funko Pops from that. Uh, from that movie. That was one of the first movies where pops were like out and very available. Okay. Uh, and so I bought myself a La Morte as a congratulations to myself for getting into my first choice college. Oh, congratulations. Oh, thanks. It was a long time ago. <laughs> but that was my little like celebration. So that is my number six. Uh, should I pop over to number five? I was going to say, so I think the co-director is, uh, I think the co-director who his name is um, Adrian Molina. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he is Mexican born. So, oh, that's Mexican. good. Yeah. So my five is Moonrise Kingdom, the, the Wes Anderson uh, film and kind of the first one that I think the first live action one that I remember getting kind of a wide release that people were excited about. I always wish I was an orphan. Most of my favorite characters are. I think your lives are more special. I love you, but you don't know what you're talking about. I love you too. Um, to me, I think this movie is uh, hysterical and sweet and darling and weird. Uh, and I, it, it always makes me laugh. Uh, even if it's just Edward Norton going jumping chimney crickets or the fact that Bruce Willis is this weird cop thing, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, watching Bill Murray just exist in those pants, uh, (laughs) is is a joy and jason schwartzman as the like cool older brother is something that i always enjoy um and and to me the love story is very sweet and very pure and also very adult which is makes the whole thing seem even more ridiculous Uh, um i've actually i've never seen this movie um it's funny, I joked uh, one or other podcast about Wes Anderson, but his career is pretty varied, isn't it? It's 
Yes, but I would say it's all got a very uniform weirdness. Okay. Uh, would you say that's your favorite of his, or is it still Grand Budapest Hotel? Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel is definitely my favorite. Um, except, like, I really like uh, his animated stuff as well. I think Fantastic Mr. Fox is great, but it's not a movie that I turn on whenever I'm bored. Okay. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom is also very close to uh, Grand Budapest for me. I would say, like, Grand Budapest is a four and a half, and this is, like, a four for me, if we're doing ratings. Uh, (laughs) But, like, it may technically be the better movie, but it is not the one that I always come back to. Okay. Uh, it's, It's really fun. It's also only 90 minutes. So, like, you can watch it pretty much in a quick shot. And if you don't like it, it, it wasn't a huge waste of your time. I'll, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. And uh, we'll be updating these movies on the um, the letterbox list. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think the listeners can gather. I'll be basically running the list. <laughs> but we'll still put this together. So we'll have you know, it documented yeah. in some way. And uh, I will make sure to update everybody on our nifty Facebook page. What makes me want to get close to someone and snuggle? Fear. Salutations, I'm Melisette, and on A Frightful Fret with Melisette, I read classic horror stories combining audiobooks and audio drama into a podcast. Come away with me into the darkness and let me make your ears tingle with a sensation of terror. A Frightful Fret with Melisette. Available everywhere podcasts are and find us at frightfulfret.net. Don't forget. So my number five is 1996's uh, The Truth About Cats and Dogs. Abby, I love you. Because... Because I can't stop thinking about you for one second. And because I stay at home every afternoon when I should be working just to hear you on the radio. And because I want to read you to sleep every night and wake up to you playing violin every morning. And because you're so beautiful. You forgot to say I love you because you're so beautiful. No, I didn't. Yes, she is, but that's not why I love her. I love her for who she is. And and if she weren't, it wouldn't matter. Of course it matters. It always matters. No, the truth is... The truth is Helen of Troy. What? Helen of Troy. Men die for that shit. The truth is you would not be so enamored with Abby if she looked like... If, uh... She looked like... What? What are you talking about? It stars Janine Garofalo. (laughs) It stars Janine Garofalo. And uh, Uma Thurman, mm-hmm. and it's basically this uh, this idea of this quote unquote unattractive woman who's super smart, and this this woman who's like super attractive and not smart. They basically try to get this guy on the hook, or whatever, for love. Um, but 
it was a movie where I basically fell in love with Janine Garofalo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, she's like a staple of smart asses from the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and the, like, oh my god, like it's, it was so wild because I think you know the premise is you know she's not a physically as attractive as Uma Thurman, but I think that to call her unattractive like is is kind of bullshit so (laughs) it was a stretch but i feel like it's still just a commentary on how even you can like i've unfortunately known people who they at a point in time they thought maybe they they were unattractive but the outside world didn't well at least i didn't i didn't think they were unattractive at all but it's kind of like a self-worth type of message mm-hmm. also, which I do think is vastly important and has aged really well. Uh, I haven't watched it in a super long time though, but I've always loved True by Cats and Dogs. Like, that's always been my shit. I, I have not seen this. It, it's little premise tagline thing is super cute though. Uh, a successful veterinarian and radio show host with low self-esteem asks her model friend to impersonate her when a handsome man wants to see her. Yeah, oh shit, it's 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 catfishing but with permission. <laughs> Encouraged catfishing. Holy shit, I just got damn this movie was ahead of its time though. <laughs> that's crazy. Damn, that's so funny, man. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I gotta watch this shit soon, man. Uh, so yeah, True Black Cast and Dogs is my number five. Um, my number four is this movie called The American President. Did she say anything about me? Ms. Wade? When she called. Did she say anything about you? Well, no, it's just that we had a nice couple of minutes together. She threatened me, I patronized her. We didn't have anything to eat, but uh, I thought there was a connection. Hmm. Excuse me, sir. Sure. 13 in the corner. She didn't say anything about me? Well, no, sir, but I could pass her a note before study hall. <laughs> he's he's like the exact opposite of Trump. He's actually probably like a white version of Barack Obama. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but but the movie is um, is directed by Rob Reiner in '95, and it's about this uh, president who's a widow, and he's mm-hmm. coming up for re-election, and he ends up um, falling in love with this lobbyist, and. That's a breach of ethics, isn't it? Uh, I mean, well, the, you, you got to watch the movie to find out. I mean, because, no, they, they the movie's actually smart uh, politically. So it does touch on that. It also touch about, it also touches on um, the political landscape of 95 as far as, like, what political parties actually mean. Um, and sort of the media attacking uh republican brass like it's it's actually it's pretty knowledgeable about you know politics and how it actually crashes against real life um i it's a really really sweet movie but it's also like really intelligent like really well made so Mm -hmm. uh, it's a movie i I, i'm 100 sure your parents have seen (laughs) <laughs> I'm like mega percent sure. Uh, it came out when I was like fucking ten, and I like still watched it on Showtime every time it came on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, yeah, the American president. I mean, if we had this fucking guy today, I mean, you know, maybe we'd it would be, be okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's my number four. Who's your. Mm-hmm. My number four is The Princess Bride. I remember this farm boy of yours, I think. This would be what, five years ago? Does it bother you to hear? Nothing you can say will upset me. He died well. That should please you. No bribe attempts or blubbering. She simply said, please. Please, I need to live. It was the please that caught my memory. I asked him what was so important for him here. True love, he replied. And then he spoke of a girl of surpassing beauty and faithfulness. I can only assume he meant you. You should bless me for destroying him before he found out what you really are. And what am I? Faithfulness he talked of, madam, your enduring faithfulness. Now tell me truly, when you found out he was gone, did you get engaged to your prince that same hour, or did you wait a whole week out of respect for the dead? You mocked me once, never do it again! I died that day! You can die too, for all I care! Oh! As you wish! Oh, my sweet Wesley, what have I done? Ow! Uh, I'm aware that it is an action adventure kind of project too. Uh, but to me, the, the center of it has always been the romance and the comedy. Um, I was kind of late to this party. I didn't see it for the first time until I was like 14 years old. Um, Shout out to my friend Daria, who showed it to me for the first time. Uh, And I just remember being so struck with the the fact that it was a fairy tale, but it was smart about it. Uh, and, And the romance to me was so fairy tale, but also believable and weird and kind of not super healthy but like that's okay and it's I don't know it's also one of the funniest movies ever <laughs> just just ever uh like it it's the book is also excellent which if you haven't read I highly recommend but uh it it's so it's so to me encapsulates what a good love story should be. It happens to be a rom-com set in a fantasy period style world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my, that's, that's my, my four. Uh, directed by Rob Reiner as well. (laughs) Yeah. He's keeping the marathon alive. Uh, an alum of Sarah Lawrence College, which, uh, if you keep up with the news, has ha- had some weird sex cult stuff going on. Uh, hey. Hey. Hold on, hold on. Is, is it consensual, though? Uh, I mean, it's one of the students' dads, like, moved in and started a weird sex cult. I don't know. <gasps> Holy fuck. 
Uh, I can send you a very long, in-depth article about it if you want. Uh, I will also post it in the Facebook on the show notes page. Long and in-depth. We should. Can we do that? We should have like a show notes for every episode. Uh, yeah, we can for the description. No, I'm thinking that we just put it on the Facebook with all the like clickable links and stuff. Uh, if you want to do that, knock yeah, yourself I'll do that. out. <laughs> so yeah, go for it, man. Uh, cool. Uh, so yeah, uh, that that is my number four. Uh, also. I've I've cosplayed as Wesley before, and uh, Princess Bride cosplayers are always very lovely. Um, <laughs> I would so, expect them to be. Uh, that's cool. Um, so my number three is uh, you've got mail. You know, sometimes I wonder. What? Well, if I hadn't been Fox Books. And you hadn't been to the shop around the corner. And you and I had just met. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I would have asked for your number. And I wouldn't have been able to wait 24 hours before calling you up and saying, hey, how about... Oh, how about some coffee or, you know, drinks or dinner or a movie? For as long as we both shall live. Oh, nice! Um, that, oh, yes. That would have been, like... That's actually my number nine. <laughs> so, that movie to me is... First of all, yes, it is a romance movie, and it's a, a vaguely problematic one because they both have partners when they start this kind of weird emotional affair uh but i really love it as not only a love letter to romance but as a love letter to books yeah yeah um oh shit that's actually aging really well because fuck people do not like to read anymore man fuck um, except that they do. Like, local bookstores are making a huge comeback uh, because people are literally getting screen burnout. Shit. I mean, that's so good, man. They even more so, I think it's aging well because it's showing that this is secular. You know, there's always going to be an independent bookstore. There's always going to be Fox Books or, you know, the news or, you know, like, whatever the new app is. Uh and I also think it's it's very realistic to talk with a stranger still because that's basically what dating apps are. Yeah. Um, um, so even though the interface might be different, uh, the way that people talk and interact is very similar. Oh, no, I think that aspect of it has aged magnificently well because, I mean, I feel like, especially with, like, have you ever noticed that for some reason, a lot of situations, you kind of just feel more comfortable with talking through some electronic device than talking in person? Mm -hmm. Like, I've known people who, like, just avoided physical confrontation just to get that two-paragraph two text off. 
So for some reason, like whenever we have that kind of shield, like we just feel more comfortable with talking our minds or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, I know you said it's kind of problematic that they started that like emotional relationship, which I think it kind of just speaks to how they were innately doubting the relationships, the relationships they were already in anyway. Because you know, why would you seek that elsewhere if you have it at home? Um, now the movie is problematic for a lot of other reasons as well, like. Tom Hanks, he's a <laughs> he's a bit of a creep. <laughs> he does a little, he does some light stalking, a little bit of light stalking. Yeah, and, and emotionally I mean, manipulating. I feel like the the light stalking is like this this era's equivalent of like going through their their socials. Yeah. Like, it's not like he's in a tree with glasses trying to watch her change. Like, <laughs> he's There's just trying to, like, check out what's what's cooking, basically. Yeah. Uh, which is not a great thing, but, like, is, I think, less bad. I mean, yeah, but there's, I mean, there's a, thing, a point where he, he is trying to play games to, I guess, get information from her that maybe she wouldn't have gave. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think I think that movie, like I said, I have it on my number nine. So I think if you can readily acknowledge, you know, the gaps in the movie, but also kind of do understand that it, it is, it is still like a tale of, you know, these people sort of bearing their souls to each other and like, you know, getting to that place where like they, they wanted to be together so yeah it's also very obvious that like these are are two people who really struggle to trust each other because of their i would say distrust of each other in the industry and that is there's clearly a lot of struggle there that exists yeah uh which is is an interesting dynamic and one that we don't get all the time. So I I'm a fan of that. Yeah, um, early Dave Chappelle movie sighting that I definitely appreciate. Um, but no man, I I've always liked You Got Mel more than um, Sleepless in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Sleepless in Seattle was definitely like a cultural thing. Like I think the '90s were really I think shit. The '90s, like the probably the last decade, where like the romantic slash romantic comedy, like really like you know was a, a pop culture thing. Like Titanic was. I mean, the name is proper. Like the Titanic was like a moment in American pop culture. Like regardless of uh, your race, your sexuality, like anything, like everyone knew what the fuck Titanic was. Um, Sleepers in Seattle had that a bit, um, but I think now, like all the today, like all the romantic comedies are basically just Netflix sh- streaming, and you, well, other than Crazy Rich Asians, which was a good throwback to that era, and actually, I think Crazy Rich Asians, if that would have came out in like '99, like that shit may have cause like a fucking tidal wave but but um but no i do think like you got mel 
which mm-hmm. came out in 98, was like uh, a, a pretty decent cap on like that decade for those type of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, You Got Mail was definitely, definitely fucking fire. Um, for my number three, we talked about a little bit, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. You'd be like heaven to touch. I wanna hold you so much. At long last love has arrived. And I thank God I'm alive. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. I know you said that uh, you don't, you're not really well versed in like the '90s teen movies, but for my money, this is like the the best '90s teen movie ever, mm-hmm. and I actually think it's it's probably like the best teen movie ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, people typically uh, pivot to Breakfast Club uh, for that champion, but I think Ten Things I Hate About You surpassed it, but. Um, mm-hmm. It's super fucking funny. It has a lot of heart. It has a lot of, you know, girls understanding and combating how trash men are. <laughs> but, you know, men, well, boys in this case, like they're they're trying to step up, trying to step up and try to do the right thing. But, you know, I do think there's a lot of lessons especially for for young girls growing up of how, you know, there are men who are emotionally emotionally manipulative. Uh, men who really just want the physical and nothing else, but they don't really, they're not really upfront about that. So you kind of have to, you know, protect yourself. Um, and I mean, men should be learning that lesson too, and how they should not be doing that. But, you know, unfortunately, we have not met that bell curve yet. Um, but I do think Tinder's Hand About You is like super funny, um, super interesting. Um, and yeah, it was, I, other than, I think if you talk about the the try the, the the three peaks of Heath Ledger, it's all most people are gonna say uh, Dark Knight, Brokeback Mountain, and Ten Things. Like those mm-hmm. are gonna be the three that people basically juggle. Uh, but for me, like Ten Things is my my favorite Heath Ledger project. Um, but no, I definitely recommend. Like it is on Disney Plus, so. I do recommend, like, whenever you get a chance, definitely catch it. Like, it's really worth it. I will. I It's been on my list forever. So the fact that it's easy to stream now is handy. Yeah. Um, my number two um, is 1992's Boomerang. According to Jacqueline, you are really great in bed. Oh, Jacqueline told you I was really good in bed. According to Jacqueline, you really know how to move your ass, you know? Oh, she told you I know how to move my ass in bed. Okay, okay. Uh, well, uh, I, I don't know what Miss well, Jacqueline has told you, but it's not that kind of party, and I'd appreciate it if... Hey, what's the matter with you? Stop that! 
Stop it, stop it. Will you stop it? Gladius. Amerde alors. Mila, don't believe this. You are going to turn down a pussy like this? Staring you smack in your face? No man can turn down this pussy. Will you stop it? I don't know any man that can refuse this pussy. Stop saying pussy. People are eating in here. Pussy. Pussy, pussy, pussy. 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 Trying to find our cat. Where is that cat? What's the matter with you? You don't. Boomerang stars Eddie Murphy uh, with uh, Halle Berry, uh, Martin Lawrence, uh, Danielle and Greer, um, Pops, uh, John Witherspoon, rest in peace. Uh, Tisha Campbell, Chris Rock has a, a classic appearance. Uh, Robin Givens, like Grace Jones, it's like a heavy hitters of like '90s black talent in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I I talked about uh, coming to America um, as being like the funniest. Um, it's like one of the funniest like black movies ever. Um, but Boomerang is like really really up there. Um, this is like. This is like the peak of 80s Eddie Murphy. Like, well, it's 92, but like coming out of the 80s, like, I don't think people really kind of really remember, unless you were at the time, but Eddie Murphy was like one of the biggest celebrities in America. Like, it was legit. Like, number one was Michael Jackson, number two was Prince, and number three was Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. And actually, actually, Eddie Murphy probably had times when he was like number two, like just below Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like, he was incredibly funny, incredibly talented. The 80s gave us, you know, um, the, the crazy-ass stand-ups. Uh, it gave us Beverly Hills Cop, Trading Places, 48 Hours. And these are, like, monumental, like, pop culture, like, moments. And also party all the time. Party all the time. Is, yes, he gave us that also. Um, in, ni- in the 90s, like... We kind of were waiting for Eddie to to keep that momentum going, and ninety two Boomerang. It's like super sexy, it's super sleek, it's super stylized. Like everyone is fly as shit in this fucking movie. Like um, the director uh, Reggie Hunlan, like he really did his thing as far as like creating the actual movie and the tale. Um, and the fu- the soundtrack is like one of like the one of the greatest like nineties. R&B movie soundtracks ever. Um, it's like everything you everything you think about a movie, like when you think of talent, when you think of script, when you think of direction, when you think of like the sound of the movie, um, it was, it, it, it had it. It had everything you wanted. Mm-hmm. It had established talent and it had up and coming talent. Um, it had everything you wanted. So it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, let alone like one of my favorite um, romantic comedies ever, um, but that's a that's a classic movie in my opinion. Um, so, what is your number two? Uh, Enchanted. Okay. Uh, the the Disney movie uh, from two thousand and seven. Uh, that is a cartoon live action hybrid, uh, starring Amy Adams, uh, Patrick Dempsey. Uh, James Marsden, who please give James Marsden more jobs that isn't driving around CGI animals. Uh, 
<laughs> give this man a career. He deserves a career. Uh, and uh, Susan Sarandon. You viper. We have to help her. What can we do? I don't know. Oh, what do we do? There's no way of helping her. She's done for. True love's kiss. What? It's the most powerful thing in the world. Yes, yes, of course. I knew that. I love this movie. Uh, I think it is great. I think that it is a really beautiful uh, examination of what love is. Uh, and there's a lot of really good details in it. Um, that's how you know, first of all, just is a fucking banger. But, like, uh, it is such a good song and such a good examination of what your expectation should be in a relationship. Uh, even if those specific things are not what you vibe with, uh, you know, kind of the idea that like, you shouldn't have to guess if you're, if your partner likes you. Very true. Uh, Very fucking true. Which is like such a lesson that I feel like over the years I have, I have lost track of. Uh, I also feel that, uh, watching, First of all, just Amy Adams, like, experience the hurt of the real world for the first time is a really, like, alarmingly powerful performance uh, that I feel like we should still be talking about, but we're not, except now we maybe are, because there's a sequel series coming to Disney+, Plus, which I'm very excited about. Um, and then uh, also watching uh, Patrick Dempsey loosen up a little bit. Uh, so watching the moment, you know, in that's how, you know, where he goes, don't sing, like stop singing. And then at the ball at the end, they're dancing together and he is singing while they are dancing together, even though it's just quiet and kind of low key, you know, you, you see every kind of brick get laid to how we got here. Uh, and I think it makes it a really powerful romantic experience that is also, just really fucking funny. <laughs> um, for for me personally, uh, I also just like aesthetically that movie is such a moment for me. Uh, I really desperately want to cosplay Giselle's "That's How You Know" dress, uh, and I think I'm gonna uh, if I if I get a job soon. That may be my first out the gate cosplay i miss princessing very badly uh <laughs> and we don't have a lot of giselles around here so uh i don't know if we have any actually so i would not mind getting on into that all right so now we're, we're at the peak of the mountain so so just to recap we have your number seven crazy rotations mm -hmm. number six book of life Yep. Number five, Moonrise Kingdom. Number four, The Princess Bride. Number three, You've Got Mel. Number two, Enchanted. So what do we have here, number one? My number one is Something's Gotta Give. Where's Julian? He's back at the hotel. He said when he saw me with you, he knew that I was still in love with you. 
What do you have to say about that? If it's, if it's true, my life just got made. Why'd you come here, Harry? Turns out the heart attack was easy to get over. You were something else. I finally get what it's all about. I'm 63 years old, <laughs> and I, I'm in love. For the first time in my life. Classic. Uh, 2003, directed by Nancy Myers. It's Jack and Diane, and you know when they get together, something's got to give. Uh, <laughs> this movie is like over two hours long. Yeah. And I don't care. There are a lot of movies where I'm like, Jesus, they need to shave off a little bit of time here. I, I don't like this. I'm tired. I'm bored. And I never have that with this movie, which is so funny because it is a very slow movie. It's not just about doing... You know, it's not action-y. It's not heavy, really. It is just chugging along, doing its thing. Uh, the scene where Diane Keaton is laughing while crying and writing and screaming and goes on for like seven minutes. And I feel that every time. And I laugh <laughs> every time. Uh, also, Keanu Reeves, just honorable, honorable mention to him for being amazing. Uh, he, uh, everyone in this movie just fits so well into this movie. Uh, and I think that it takes a lot of effort to make as well-oiled of a rom-com. Like, it's hard work to make a movie like this feel easy. And somehow she makes it feel easy, even though I know she, you know, freaked out for all the different colors of beige. So everything <laughs> was perfect, you know? Yeah, I I think even when you talk about, you know, two hour runtime or whatever, I think they use it appropriately, though, because you don't you actually feel like their relationship is actually earned. Mm -hmm. And it also, it also is like, you're really seeing a relationship blossom from, I, I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't even say ground zero. I would say ground negative 50, where it's like this guy, you know, actually he's, he's not even going really out of his way to impress her. He's being himself. He is, you know, having real conversations and building a rapport and building a trust. And then ultimately it, pay, it pays off, which you would hope every relationship actually is in real life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but no, I think every moment that they have together is really earned. Um, I've always thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, I didn't catch it until it came. I didn't catch it in theaters. I, I caught it. Um, maybe a year or two after it came out just on uh, cable. 
Yep. Um, but I was always a fan of this movie. It, it made my top 50. Um, I was always a big fan of this movie. Um, I think <laughs> I think my my biggest nitpick is I hate I hate when movies they have like some guy in the hip hop industry and then they pick trash music. <laughs> yeah. Music <is> trash. <laughs> but um, but other than that, like no. This you movie mean to tell like, me you don't like Butterfly by Crazy Town? Oh my god, I bro. You know I'm it's lady, so I'm from a lady. I'm a butterfly. Sugar, sugar baby. baby. It's it's so funny. America you know how America's a wild ass place. America let that be a very famous ass song and then they shit on people for liking that song. Yeah. Like like that's, America, Yeah, that's the American way. Like this country is so funny, man. And so no the funny I remember on Crazy Town. Like I remember this, <laughs> I remember the single before Butterfly, which again, shout out to those TRL days. Like they were trying to be like, they were trying to be the equivalent of, think of Limp Biscuit, but mm-hmm. without the red hat. So, <laughs> so no, like they were trying to be like a rap. They were trying to be. That like the the early two thousands was really that fusion of people like people trying to blend uh, rap and rock, um, trying to like make it a thing, mm-hmm. and they were they were definitely trying to make this shit a thing, but then Butterfly came out and then it boomed on pop radio, and so it basically like flooded their entire lives or whatever, and so they would say like whenever they would go on tour, well they would play festivals. And they would play that song like like the crowd would boo, <laughs> which is, I'm laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing, but that does suck. Like imagine being a musician, you make a song, and then it catapults you to fame and to fortune, mm-hmm. and then it immediately becomes your Achilles' heel. Yeah. So it's like you really damn if you do, damn if you don't. So, um, and. I, it's so weird because if they never made that song, I swear to God, no no one would really know who they are. Yeah. But they made that song and now everyone knows them as fucking Butterfly. Yeah. I I am a big fan of this movie. I, I unironically stand this movie. Uh, I gave it a four and a half on Letterboxd and then saw that you also gave it a four and a half on yes, Letterboxd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because yes. apparently, even though I do not believe in ratings, we are the same person. Yes. Yeah, I noticed that too today. That shit was funny. Uh, but, I um, also just, like, the acting in this movie is so good. The moments in this movie are so good. The beats are so good. Like, every scene feels well acted and well done. There's some weird CGI, but it's 2003. Uh and like, it's just, it's such a good movie. It's such a good movie. Yeah. I think this is well. Jack did this and then Bucket List, but I think these are like these are his last two movies. I think they're um, definitely like near the end. Oh, because he did. Um. Because he did. 
What was the the uh, Boston movie? The Departed. Yeah. Well, I think the part of the was Boston 09. movie. 2006. Oh, six now. I was off. So he did. Um... Okay, so Bucket li- Oh, Departed is 06. Bucket List is 07. Uh... Oh, something like it was 03. So shit, the, the last thing he did was. Damn. So the last thing he did was um fucking The Departed. Oh, no. Bucket List. Yeah. Damn. So, shout out to Jack, man. Jack has had a fucking stellar career. Um, shout out to 89 Batman. Um, also, shout out to Diane Keaton. He did mad work with uh, Woody Allen, so I'll never see those movies, but shout out yeah. to you anyway. <laughs> also, give her more jobs, please. If she wants more jobs. Oh, shout, again, shout, actually, shout out to fucking First Wives Club, a fucking classic of a 90s movie. Was she in Book Club? I feel like she was in Book Club. I yep, do. she was in Book Club. Oh, she's, that movie a couple years ago, yeah. Okay. She's been in a ton of stuff, though. She's She's in at least one of the Godfather movies. Oh, she's in all girl. of the Godfather movies. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, she's in every Godfather movie. I have not seen The Godfather because I'm the worst Italian. I wouldn't say you're the worst Italian, but yes, I, I knew you did not see any Godfather movie. Uh, Surprise, to- internet. Tell me I don't know anything about movies. Go ahead, tell me. <laughs> Shout out to Father the Bride. That's a, that's a fun yeah. Classic. Also a Nancy Myers movie. Holy shit, that is. No, well, sorry. it's written by. Uh, okay. It's directed by her now ex-husband. Oh, shit. They used, she used to write and he would direct. And then she decided to do it all when they broke up. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, example number 1507, that men are trash. Yeah, I mean, honestly. Yeah. It's so funny because apparently Nancy is kind of like a Kubrickian auteur where she's like, everything's got to be perfect. She'll do the same take 150 times. But like when guys do it, people on set might be annoyed, but they kind of get it because she he's like a visionary. Yeah. But when she does it, people are like, oh, my God, she's so particular. It's like, oh, oh. fuck off. Oh, double standards. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um, unfortunately, I am not shocked. So, yeah, my my uh, ultimate rom-com uh, for me is Something's Gotta Give, and that's another one that Mom and I will put down whatever we're doing and watch it uh, play through whenever it's on. My number one, uh, it has to be the seminal classic, When Harry Met Sally. It doesn't work this way. Well, how does it work? I don't know, but not this way. How about this way? I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely, and it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. 
I I'm not as good of a smart ass as Billy Crystal. Mm-hmm. I I try to be as best. As, actually, I'm not a smart ass, honestly. But um, I do think the the language of the movie, like the aesthetic of the movie, um, I'm. I'm of I'm, I mean I I was born in '86. I I'm a kid of the '90s, but aesthetically, like I'm always like infatuated, like um, late to mid '80s shit. Um, so I've always visually thought this movie was like really dope. Um, it's super funny. Um, Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan, like they're both like equally funny on the screen. Um, I do think it's sort of realistic how like the moment they got together, it was immediately awkward. Like, like I mean, unfortunately, surely that happens <laughs> more often than not. Um, but I do think it's a movie that's, like, um, really, really good. The, the, the final scene... I know you, you haven't watched it, right? No. Like, the final scene... Um, it The final, like, um, you know, final speech to win her over, like, that's a classic. Um, the the cutaway interviews, like it's all really, really done, really thoughtfully, really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like it's it's definitely a, a, a movie your parents probably know really well. Um, but no, that that movie is like really, really special, and it it's really the touchstone of what rom coms basically are. So, you know, you have, like, the combative forces, but then in the end, they still find a way to to get together. So if you ever do watch it, you'll see, like, a lot of... you see a lot of things other rom-coms have picked from it. You'll see it sort of played out in that movie. hmm So, yeah. So my favorite ever is uh, Harry Met Sally. Absolute classic. It's a good list. Yeah, yes. A very, very solid list, yes. Do you have any thoughts before we wrap this bad boy up on um, rom-coms or romantic comedies, or do you have anyone in the future that you're wanting to check out? So, first of all, I just need to say, like, I don't know who Letterboxd's algorithm is for, but, like, they need to chill with suggesting that A Walk to Remember and Pearl Harbor are both romantic comedies because they're not. They are. <laughs> well, Pearl Harbor is a romantic comedy for it's un it it is it it okay. <laughs> I'm melting down because I'm thinking about how ridiculous that movie is. Like the movie has romance, the movie has moments of levity. So <laughs> if you combine those definitions on a very elementary basis. It can fall into the rom com territory, but it's a it's a it's supposed to be a drama that mm-hmm. has romance and has action, but has bits that are funny in between. Um, so, oh, by the way, I'm watching, um, but I'm a cheerleader in Rufio and from Hook, Dante and, Bosco, and Sunshine from Remember the Titans. They're like making out right now. You um, go, Dante Bosco. So if you ever want to catch, but I'm a cheerleader, that's your motivation right there. There's um, a uh, great bit on uh, the Rooster Teeth uh, animated show where Dante Bosco talks about like realizing that people have his like 14 year old face tattooed on their body. 
Jeez. Because, like... Rufio. Rufio. And, like, that's, like, oh, a thing. That's, like, a thing. Do it. That I, he's, like, yup. Uh, I thought you wanted. I thought you wanted. Oh, you haven't seen Hook, so you can't do it. Oh. Bangerang. Nah, because there's another, there's another one where he's, like, Rufio, Rufio, Rufio. Yeah, I don't have that. Yeah, you gotta catch hooks soon, man. I mean, we we're doing it next week, I so know. you're right. I do gotta I do gotta catch it soon. I know. Oh man, so I think we can walk away knowing that Pearl Harbor is a romantic comedy. <laughs> Bro, that movie is it's bad, but man, I I watched it like um I watched it a couple of months ago. And goddamn, man, that shit was engrossing. <laughs> I hate that movie. <laughs> what specifically about Pearl Harbor do you hate? Just like most of it. Uh. Oh yeah, I forgot. Uh. There's a a song in fucking Team America that uh has I miss you more than. Michael Bay missed the mark when he made Pearl Harbor. Like, uh, and it, it, it ends with, and all I'm trying to say is Pearl Harbor sucked and I miss you. And that about, like, sums... It's, it is an entire song. Like, it is a full-length song about uh, Pearl Harbor. Uh... The 90s were a time, man. I mean, mostly it just has all the Michael Bay cliches that I don't like, like, slammed together in a movie. And then is like, oh, by the way, like, Pearl Harbor. Like, to me, it is so clearly, like, they're trying to get that, like, dad audience. Oh, yeah, big Uh, dad vibes. But, like, also they want to make, like, a fun sexy action movie and like they don't do either of them well who's the other boy in that movie well, I know Josh Hartnett yeah okay he no, didn't no, do they do the action they do the action fairly well it's the um, most Michael Bay action that ever actioned like a huge point of like showing them like bombing a hospital and like all this other stuff that didn't happen oh yeah like <laughs> I mean are we gonna expect movies to be historically accurate like i think shit, well, I don't for know. me it bothers me because that was how they were marketing it uh, mm. you have like a, if you name your movie after an event and make the event the climax of what like the eighth act because that movie is also like three hours long then like you gotta at least do that part interestingly if not, yeah. Also, I forgot the main character's name is Rafe. Oh, shout out to Rafe. Rafe McCauley. played by Baby Affleck. Still not as bad as Armageddon, but like pretty bad. No, Armageddon. They hired oil drillers to be astronauts. So we we can kind of see where 
uh, Armageddon was gonna go. Hold on, didn't Bay direct that also? I don't know. Oh yeah. Uh, also, you can tell that I was trying to remember the name of the Aerosmith song uh, in Armageddon while drunk because there I just searched Armageddon space. And there were like eight different wrong spellings of Aerosmith that auto-populated. Jeez. Smooth. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not as good of a uh, song as the other one that, uh, what is it? So they have, you know, t- uh, I don't want to close my eyes, which is the Armageddon one. And then they have a, that tell should- me what it takes to let you go. Uh, I don't remember that song. You don't? Hell no. Oh, clearly you have never been in a karaoke bar with a bunch of drunk Bostonians. I, uh, I think it may... It, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll add this one to the show notes, too. Uh, but it has one of my favorite, like weird bad lyrics which is just like sad steven tyler yelling girl before i met you i was f-i-n-e fine (laughs) and i'm like jeez i'm glad you could spell (laughs) um I guess I'll add that to the show notes, too. Yes, do that, please. Oh, there's an official video with Steven Tyler in a cowboy hat. Oh, my God, this is the best day of my life. <laughs> let, me, let me just turn this down real quick. Vivo, why are you so poorly sound mixed? This is all you do. <laughs> oh, Steven Tyler is wearing... What appears to be assless overalls. I mean, are there any other overalls to wear? I don't. I don't know, man. Oh my god! Oh my god! He he went from rock star to weird honky tonk bullshit real quick. Oh, there is a topless cowgirl on that door. Yeehaw! Now that's a yeehaw gen I can get behind. What is this? I'm sending you this video. Uh, oh my god. Find another man. Uh, yeah. Also, shout out to Disneyland Paris that was still running the uh, Armageddon stunt show when I was there in 2018. Jeez. Uh, I don't believe they're still running it. I think it's an Avengers stunt show now. But, uh, yeah, the Armageddon stunt show at Disneyland Paris was a thing. I mean, shit has to be. <laughs> like, that was a, like I said, like, the 90s were a super, super weird time. Like, when it's so funny, movies like Armageddon. Like movie, movies like Marvel, what they're doing now, movies like Armageddon did it then, and Dude. I mean, it was it was a dark time, man. It was Dude. a dark ass time. The Armageddon uh, special effects show 
closed April 1st, 2019. Jeez. I kind of regret not going. You should. I mean, <laughs> it's not open anymore. I'm I'm a little no, sad. Say, no, I'm saying you should regret it. Yes, the regret is warranted. <laughs> I'm filled with regret. I have no regrets except this one regret. Uh, but yeah. So, moral of the story. Uh. Is Ben Affleck can do no wrong? No, he can do some wrong. Oh. Uh, and also, The Way Back, I think, is his video essay explaining to Jennifer Garner that he knows he screwed up their marriage. Ooh, ooh doggy. Uh, I have opinions about that movie. Uh, I, I don't know how to, like, write them out in a review form, so I think I'm just going to make an infographic of... Uh, the number of weird, like, zany zoom shots that they decided to include during emotional scenes. Uh, then uh, the number of on-screen drinks consumed uh, and the number of violations of safe sport. Safe sport? What do you mean? Safe sport is a, uh, a legal thing that exists to protect uh, young athletes from their coaches and vice versa. Okay. So if you are in a, on a competitive sports team, you have to kind of abide by safe sport. Yeah. Uh, and there are certain things that you cannot do, and they are violations of safe sport. And Ben Affleck does four of them. Oh, that's And uh, that's not that's the reason he's been... fired. Spoiler alert. It's very obvious if you watch the trailer. Uh, it's just more depressing than I expected. I mean... Well, we'll get to that hump when we get to it. I may, I may sneak in and watch it. I don't know yet. We may have to do a like sports movie thing for this guy. Like we watch Miracle and this and compare them because it's the same guy. You mean the hockey movie Miracle? Yeah. I mean, if it's general white man uh, coaches team to success. Uh, <laughs> I may have to pass on that. I mean, this one. I've seen so many of those movies. Like, a lot more depressing than that, I'll be honest. Um, I, I mean, I, I got a Mighty Ducks, so that's all I need, man. Oh, man. Ducks Rock. Yeah. To quote the animated TV show that they made about this, which was actually about ducks on a hockey planet. Oh, yeah, I remember that cartoon show. Fuck yeah, I remember that. Ducks rock. All right, so... Uh, on that note... <laughs> yeah, on that note, we're going to get the fizz up out of here, man. Um, uh, remember, ducks rock. Uh, remember, organize or don't organize everything on letterbox in a very meticulous way or not <laughs> uh and the show notes will go up on our facebook page the day of the show so check us out on uh, facebook.com slash we should do this again sometime if the world will show in that love you'll find me so uh s-h-o-w-i-n-m-a-d-l-o-v um you catching out here on these east streets you know what it is 
Kat, what's your socials? Uh, you can find me on the internet at Kat, K-A-T underscore Chinetti, C-H-I-N-E-T-T-I. Uh, pretty much on all the platforms. Uh, feel free to check out my work, uh, support my stuff. You can also find my uh, writing at catseesmovies.tumblr.com. Uh, you can also find links to all of my nerd caliber and other freelance work there. And Kat, hey, we should do this again sometime. We absolutely should. <laughs> Peace. Hiya, puddins. It's your girl, Holly Quinn, a.k.a. Dr. Harleen Quinzel, here to tell you all about it. It's like a podcast or whatever. We talk about nerd stuff and life stuff. And if you want to know what we're about, check out the Powie Awards, our 100th episode, Q and Slay, or theater from our butts. Have a good day, puddins, and love, trust, and belief. This podcast stars Catherine Chinetti and Marcus Robinson. It is executive produced by Kellen Colling and Eric Greenling under Hyphen Podcast Group in conjunction with It's Like a Podcast or Whatever. It is produced and written by Catherine Chinetti and Marcus Robinson. This is a Hyphen Podcast Group production. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. <laughs>